so we've done a, we've done a fair few of these uh, in the last few weeks. We've had uh, Will Hughes, Johnny Russell from, yeah. from Kansas City, and now and now Jamie Ward. Three three names I've wanted to get on for a while. Three uh, three players that played in in successful teams at, at Derby County. So Jamie, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Uh, obviously, a bit strange at, at the moment. Obviously, with all this pandemic and COVID stuff going on. So, but apart from that, yeah, not not too bad. What's the the current situation for you then, career-wise? Are you without a club? Yes, without a club, but actively looking. Uh, it's just about the the offers being right for for everyone, really. So it should hopefully be a little bit more patient, and and the right one will come. As as the current situation, and obviously it's it's difficult circumstances. Do you think that's maybe been a factor in in not finding one so far, Joe? The the, the COVID situation. Yeah, I think uh, it, it prob- probably doesn't help. Uh, obviously, you've got there's a lot of footballers out of contract, so it's uh, I think there's around about fourteen hundred players available on a free transfer. So there's going to be people that are going to go back in for the sake of just going back in. And obviously, don't get me wrong, the money's not the important bit, but everything has to be right for for everyone. Surely, yeah. are you are you training with anyone? Uh, not. Uh, no professional team. No, I've been training with Mikelova Sports, uh, oh. as I know uh, John McGrath, the manager, and I know Don Amot. So uh, they invited me down to just just go and get fit and stuff. So it's it's always good when you have people like that that are willing to look after you. We'll take it right back to, to first playing football. Obviously, a Birmingham lad, and you came through at Aston Villa. Or Aston Villa, your your boyhood team. Yeah, luckily enough. Uh, they was the the team I supported, so it was a uh, it was. I don't think you realise when you're so young that how big it actually is. But now, looking back over the over the years, that you realise because I've got a kid the same age as when I went into academy football, and you realise just how lucky and fortunate you are to going into that that system. How did you How did you first get picked up? Then can you remember? Was it just playing for a local team and being scouted? The traditional, yeah. Just, just as simple as that, really. Just, I mean, you never know who's watching. It's, it's like first team football now for, for obviously first team players. You don't know who's watching you, so uh, it's a case of always try your best. And, and luckily enough, I, I obviously performed on the day that there was a scout there, and, and the rest was history. Really, I spent spent till the age of nineteen at Villa from the age of seven or eight. So it was a it was a long old process and. And one that's obviously been been worth it, apart from not playing for their first team. Let's say, is that something you look back on? Is that maybe one regret or something you changed in your career that you maybe featured a bit more for for Villa? Oh, I would love to have. Uh, if it was just five minutes, just getting onto that that pitch for the for a first team game, I, I would love would have loved it. But uh, unfortunately, that just wasn't the route my career was meant to take, and. Uh, it was a case of going back down to lower leagues and and trying to fight the way back up. And luckily enough, I, I've I've done that and and carved out a decent enough career, apart from not playing in top top flight football. Dropping back down was it Torquay first? Or was it? Uh, I know you went down and played. Was it Stockport and Torquay? Yeah, so I went to Stockport on loan from Villa, uh, but I had sorry no yes I went to Stockport from Villa. And uh, on loan, and then to Torquay once my contract was up. But the year before, I had a car crash, which uh, which kept me out for for four months. So 
I'd have probably have been released from Villa at the end of that year, but because of the car crash, I was luck- luckily lucky enough to get a new another one year extension because I hadn't played much football. And before the end of that season, the manager pulled me, the first team manager, and said, basically, you you will never be involved with the first team. So I suggest you don't sign the contracts. So then, for me, it was a case of the contract there was the security for the next year to then go and make a career. And then, luckily enough, I got the chance to go to Stockport on loan. And then, uh, after that, I ended up at Torquay. And Torquay, Chesterfield, Sheffield United... Derby, and there's been a few more since Derby. <laughs> but you know, you, you know, going from academy football, you had some time out to go in and play in lower league football. How much of an education is that for a 19 year old, 20 year old lad going and playing in them leagues against 36 year old pros? And you need to do it. It's yeah. it's the thing that uh, that's kind of killing football these days. I think you, you've got too many players in the under 23 system that that are probably never going to make a career in the game. But they're just there in the 23s to make up the numbers, which it's terrible, really. The thing that we had to do back then, because it was, I think it was under 17s, 19s and reserve football, you had to be ready for man's football at 19. So you had no choice but to to go out, out to them roots and play football. Uh, Green, you probably first major name, really, uh, at Sheffield United. I think you had a long, a long old spell there. How did how did that move come about? Getting the the move to go there. Just a case of I was up well down the road at Chesterfield, mm-hmm. so uh, it's easy to send someone to come and watch someone that's that's doing well and scoring goals. It's only what twenty five minutes up the road, so I think they'd watch me quite a few times. And then I played with Darren Curry who at Chesterfield, and he told me that the Sheffield United manager had rung him, but he only told me this as I was on my way to Barnsley to speak to them. Really? So, so I, and I carried on and went up to Barnsley and stuff like that. And uh, we just couldn't agree. At Barnsley, we couldn't agree personal terms, which some people obviously put out in the media after it that I was asking for far too much money, which is a load of nonsense, really, because I knew what level I'd just come from and I knew I wasn't going to get a great deal anyhow. So, and then on the way there, Darren's rung me, he's like, Kevin Blackwell's rung me, he's, uh, they're putting a bid in for you. I was like, sound, no problem. And then once I had that, it was always a case of that's where I wanted to go because they was at the right end of the table and uh, obviously Barnsley were at the opposite end. You were already on your way to Barnsley. If, if you'd been able to agree with Barnsley, would that have been, a, your career could have taken a completely different path? You, you would have probably ended up yeah. in another uh, Definitely, you don't know. It's like I say, you don't know where it's going to take you, do you? You think? Uh, I think the the manager at Sheffield United suited me as well because uh, he wanted the lads to work hard and graft and stuff like that, and that that really suited me uh, at that time in my career. Because well, in, through all my career, because that's the one thing I've always known how to do. So uh, it's like I say, for some reason, it was. It's obviously in the stars that. You, your career, your path's already planned, I think. Yeah. And then uh, a successful a successful spell at, at Sheffield United and eventually next coming on to uh, the Rams. How, how how did coming to Derby County first? first because I, I think it was initially a, a loan. Was it two two or three-month loan or something like that? that you first yeah. 
so when when the loan was agreed, the permanent was also agreed as well. So uh, I knew from the day I walked through the building at Derby, I was there for the next two and a half years. I think it was assigned uh, two and a half or three and a half years. So uh, I knew that was where my future was going as I'd, I'd literally just had my youngest boy at the, at the time because uh, when we was in hospital, Nigel was ringing me about uh, just trying to chat and I missed his call. So then I just texted him, I'm in hospital with the, the girlfriend at the time. She's now the wife, lucky girl. <laughs> and now... Yeah, she's uh, we so, so we was having the kid and just messaged Nigel and said, uh, can't talk. We're currently in hospital. He knew uh, Jade was pregnant, so he said, no problem. Text me whenever you're free, and we'll catch up. Uh, enjoy what's about to happen. And then yeah, so we got through the door in the end, and and obviously again, Nigel was one of them them coaches that if you worked hard for him, he would he would look after you. I was going to ask that because I've had I think I'd, I'd probably eight or nine people on there that played. For Cluffy and I think you have to be his kind of player. I think that's the, in summary because I think you get some that I think we had Dean Leacock was one that came on and was quite vocal about he didn't just didn't get it. Um, but um, but like the likes of Will Hughes, Bryce, they've come on and like absolutely adore him. Was he was he the, was you in that camp of it was a, it was great for you in, in your career? Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, he's probably the manager that I played my best football under and. I've always gone back to it. It's probably because I had a little bit of fear regarding him because I knew how how ruthless he could be. And I remember in the, I was in the car with my dad on the way down to Derby to speak with Nigel at Moor Farm. And my dad went, you know we'll finish you if you don't do it right, don't you? You know, he, he's not got a... He's, sorry, he's got a way with words and he would just absolutely end you. And I was like... Yeah, I heard what he said the weekend. This was after the Portsmouth game at Thomas Sifka. I can remember that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he obviously nailed Tommy a little bit. And I think at times it's it's in the heat at the moment. I think there's probably been plenty of occasions where he's pulled the lads after and gone, listen, sorry, heat at the moment, blah, blah, blah. So, But like you say, you have to get him. You ha- if you're on board, then you're going to be fine. But if you're not on board and you don't understand it or you don't like his ways, then it's a complete waste of time. You might as well pack your bags and get your boots. Did you ever have any any clashes with him? Because I, I saw pretty much every game you played for Derby, uh, home and away, and you always uh, a fiery player. You always put it kind of... Do you think that's fair? Like You're, you're always like passionate and hardworking. So was there ever a time when he said something and you and you uh, clashed or is it just Gaffer's opinion and you've just got to take it? To be honest with you, probably two times, two or three times max through the whole of, of uh, I think we was together two and a half years. So, but it was a case of whatever was said, it was then done and dusted. It wasn't a case of it's going to get dragged on and, and things like that. And I think Nigel obviously knows his characters and knows at times the ones to the older ones maybe, to, to nail a little bit, to get the reaction from the, the younger group and, and then think, oh, okay, he's not getting away with it, so I'm not going to get away with it. But I genuinely, two or three times and nothing more than that. And yeah, I'm very fiery. I think if I wasn't fiery, I'd be a complete waste of time as a footballer because yeah. I think there's not enough players like that these days. Yeah, it's not fiery in a Roy Keane running around volume people way. It's just a fiery, and you can just see that it, that it means a lot to you. And yeah, do you know what I mean? It's uh, 
I I'd, I'd, I'd take Ry Keane's career running around volleying people. <laughs> I know, I don't really like that. I mean, like, because he, he used to put the odd kick in, didn't he? Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, having Clough and, and having that relationship with him, how, how different was it when, when Steve McLaren and, uh, and Simo walked through the door and, and take over? Uh, Relationship-wise, it, pro- it probably wasn't that different, if, if I'm being honest. There was never no problems in the first year or, or anything like that. So the problems probably come in the last 10 to 12 games where I wasn't playing much. And I wouldn't really say problems. I was just frustrated because the team wasn't doing too great. I think we won two in our last 10 or 12 or something like that. and still couldn't get on the pitch. So... Uh, but to start with, the relationship was was fine. There'd never no problem. Got on, still get on with them all now. Still send the odd message to them and and things. So it's not a case of it's that's it. You've said what you've said. You've been released by him. Blah blah blah. Hate him. It, it was none of that. It's just part of football, isn't it? It's it's just one person's opinion at the end of the day. And I thought I'd done well enough for him. And and uh, obviously the rest is history. He he didn't think I'd done too well for him because he released me. <laughs> do, you have, do you have to change your the way you play if it, for a different manager like that? Because I mean, I don't think Clough gets enough credit for that, that side that got to the playoff final because it was minus two or three lone players on top. It was Nigel's side, but McLaren did kind of put his spin on it and, and change the, the style a little bit. Do you have to change the way you you play for a, a different manager? Not uh, not the way McLaren wanted to play, no. Because he still wanted the high energy tempo stuff, but Derby have been 10, 11 years going forward and scoring goals. Our biggest problem was always keeping them out of the net. So yeah. it's not a case of Steve McLaren's coming and we've started scoring a shed load of goals again. Yeah. Because we we always scored enough goals as it was, we just couldn't keep them out at the other end. And it was just the fine little tweaks defensively yeah. that turned us into an average team, into probably the best footballing team in the league that year, or for two years. But we just couldn't get over that final hurdle. We just couldn't get the first and second spot or we couldn't go up in the playoffs. It's the best football I've seen as a, as a Derby fan. I mean, I can vaguely remember the likes of Iranio, Bayano and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, minus that, I mean, it was just incredible. It was. I was talking to Johnny Russell about it yesterday and it was a case of you were turning up to games and it wasn't drink Derby or win today. How many are Derby going to get today? Yeah, well that we I've said it before. Like we'd go one nil down and it'd be a case of come on then let's go and play. Now it's time to actually step yeah. it up a little bit and and then we'd go and beat them two three four one. So it it was it was an absolute pleasure to play in and it, it was just a shame the team got ripped up as quick as it did because. I think the lads that put the club in the position that it's in to attract all these top championship names, so people say, is the ones that did it didn't really get rewarded. Mm. Which, listen, it's I suppose it's it's business at the end of the day, but the ones that got there didn't get looked after. It was the new faces coming in that mm. that got the absolute lorry loads of finances and looked after in that way. Whereas they probably wasn't the right characters. See, that's just an interesting. That's an interesting take that I've never really looked. Yeah, that's a. It's a. It's a take and a look and a look at it. And it makes sense when you when you do look back at the core of the team and the characters that, that got Derby 
up there. Uh, a lot of Nigel's players as well that that never really never really reap the rewards of it. No, definitely not. Bryson did. Yeah, Bryce did. Yeah, Bryce Bryce really reaped the the rewards. But he had a Premier League team after him, yes, so that's yeah. why you he's, he deserves it. He's, he deserves to get the money that he got and uh, and things like that. So it's it's just the others because it obviously wasn't just solely Bryce. It was there was probably seven or eight other players that played week in week out and, and put the club to where it is now. And then obviously attracting the the big names, the good names, and stuff like that. And and sometimes football's a bit wrong in that way, but. I was going to say, is that, is that football, though? It's a, it's a strange profession. So, well, from the outside looking in, it's a very, very strange profession to work in. Is that, does, do you have to take that as, as, a, as, football, as a footballer or do you just think it was completely mismanaged? Is it mismanaged? No, that's just football. Yeah. Football's like no other industry. That's, that's the other thing. You can pretty much, around the training ground, you can pretty much do and say what you want. And nine times out of ten, no one about an eyelid. Because it's just training grounds that are mental, or like for instance, we used to throw our analyst in the ice bath, <laughs> so he'd, he'd get a little bit cheeky. So then the lads would just grab him and he'd be, he'd be in the ice bath, dunked in all his clothes. You couldn't do that in any other work <laughs> industry. So, well, they've not got ice baths, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but you couldn't do that and get away with it. Whereas you can in football, it's totally, it's it's a totally different world. And you mentioned about it being strange and, and you, you kind of know, you must kind of know what each other are on. Is there ever like a resentment if you're like top six and then a player comes in and you know he's on 30 grand a week, but you know you've got a player down who's playing week and week out on two grand a week. Is there a resentment there? No, you can't. It, it's not their fault, is it? No. It's like you going to work tomorrow and saying, and someone comes up, right, that's it. We're sorting you out. We're going to look after you. There you are. You're now our highest paid employee. Yeah. You're not going to go, oh, no, it's not for me. I want to be like the rest of my mates. Going to take it. So we, people moan in general about footballers getting paid too much, which sometimes I can agree with it. But at the end of the day, we're not choosing the money as, as a group of footballers. Someone's coming to us and going, this is what we're going to offer you. Okay, the first deal, you always knock back anyhow, don't you? Yeah. Because the next deal, there's going to be a little bit more. So... We're not going in there and saying we want X amount and getting getting it. It's a case of the clubs are offering it or so. Don't mind up footballers when they are getting paid that money. No, I totally agree. I'm always in the camp of that. And um, one of my mates growing up was Ben Osborne. I don't know if you played with Benny when you was at football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he gets an awful amount of stick about well, being a Derby lad and he, he went through at Forest, but he was released by Derby. And what do you expect him to do? Just sit at home because Derby don't want him and never earn a penny ever again. And I always say that most of these people that put stuff, if someone said, I mean, I don't, I've got no idea what Ben's on, but it's probably it'd be like more than most people. And would you turn that money down? I'd go and play for Forest for, <laughs> for footballers' wage. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, obviously, because fans are so into their club, I think they forget at times it, it is also a job. It's our job. Yeah. So rather than, obviously, you build up a connection with, with the club when, you, when you're at the club, at some clubs. I feel like I had a great connection at Derby. I don't feel like I've had that connection at any other club. So and so now I'll still go back and watch them. I'll take my little and to go and watch them and and I get looked after when I do go and watch them. That's nice. So yeah. It's 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 one of them. It's it's a job. Yeah. Technically, well, 
it is a job for us. We're lucky to get the kind of money that we have been blessed with. Uh, we talked about some some amazing teams that Derby, probably the best teams of the last twenty years that, um, that you played in. Can you and you touched on at the start, uh, not playing top flight football? Can you quite believe that them sides, those sides, didn't just get over the line because it was three or four years in a row where they looked almost certain at times? Yeah, uh, the well, the, the obviously QPR, that one. It's just it's football. Someone had to win on that day, and someone had to lose. And unfortunately, looking at the running, you'd have thought we was we'd have romped it, but and we probably should have. We we just didn't create enough on that day. I don't think, and uh, I think QPR would have been happy to get us the penalties, but instead Bobby Zamora pops up and just whips one in the far bin. Oh, yeah. It always, I mean, I've seen it and seen it and seen it, but when you talk about it, it's still not, it's still absolutely horrible. Oh, it's disgusting, isn't it? I could, I could kill him. <laughs> oh, mate. But, it's, but I remember, I remember there was a break in play and going round the boards was Bobby Zamora, 25 to 1, to score the first goal. Really? I was sat there, I, I was stood there thinking, no chance. <laughs> and uh, obviously, it's always stuck with me. That's the thing. It's always stuck with me. And I thought, that's just sod's law, and it? I've looked at it, seen it, gone no chance, and it's happened. Oh, man. So, it was hard to take, but I think at the start of the season, we never expected to be there. We thought, we've got nothing to lose, obviously, and, and obviously. We, we obviously give it our all, but we just couldn't put the ball in the net on, on that day. And what a day for goals to dry up for you when you've been such a free-flowing team. Yeah, uh, Johnny was saying yesterday that he's still uh, even across there. He still like gets reminded about being about a millimetre away from from uh, going through on goal. And uh, that was the moment I think that we all knew. That was like I, I was kind of yeah. Like, oh, that, that that was disgusting. That yeah. tackle was disgusting. Why like, just let him go through? Gary, you played in the Premiership, mate. Give <laughs> us that a chance, <laughs> mate. So uh, it's one of the club's greatest ever moments, is uh, isn't it? Like a thirty-five-year-old midfielder hacking someone down at Wembley. Paid off for him, didn't it? That's that's yeah. the thing. So his tackle, well, it was potentially going one 0 down, but taking him out, taking him one for the team, and still giving your team a chance. Because I think if we'd have gone one 0 I don't think we'd have looked back. I think then we'd have probably got two or three. So, looking back at your your time at Derby, can you what are your your favourite memories? I think one that sticks out for me is obviously um, annoying about twenty eight thousand Forest fans and beating. We've had Campion actually. He spoke about it, and then doing Campy at the near post. He'll definitely be listening to this, so I'll just throw that in there. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think that's probably my favourite. Have you got any any favourite memories that stick out when you when you look back? Yeah, I think, well, there was two goals against uh, Forest. One was obviously to draw at Pride Park when we was 1-0 down. Uh, and obviously that the one to bring us back into the game at City Ground was was obviously a bit of a magical goal. So I still think it's Derby's best ever goal. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I still, did you get pouted back for that? Because I watch that on, on a regular basis. And uh, I think is it Matt Derbyshire, Matty Derbyshire that you you run past and he like swings and basically swings around by the arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that obviously 
that's because I've not put the ball out and yeah. and stuff like that, which you can totally understand. But my argument back then is it was still 10v10. I wish, obviously, the injury that happened with, to Chris Cohen was, was never that type of injury. Yeah. And to be honest, I think if I knew it was the case of that was him, he's going to be out for seven to nine months, I think I would have genuinely put the ball out as well. So, because we don't want to see fellow professionals out for that time, and it's just it's I had Nigel in the back of my my ear shouting play on. So I I just went with it, and it, like I said, it was still ten v ten, and the rest is history. It's in the back of the net. It's, it's, it's an incredible run because it's like when you see football. This is how I always see it. It's like when you see when they play on now, but then the referee will pull it back. Like you just yeah. run on and you expect it, and then it's like a beat one, mega another, and then you're suddenly there, and then you beat. Yeah. It's incredible. Like you never like from where you started to where you ended up. It was just an incredible run. Well, the the ref he must have let play go on mm. until the goal a, a minute or so. Yeah, it went on. So yeah. He he was never gonna call it back after. If it was five ten seconds, you you understand him calling it back, but. I think Nigel noticed that he wasn't going to obviously blow his whistle and pull it back and mm. he's just shouting, play on, play on. And like I say, it was 10v10 and uh, sometimes sportsmanship gets spoke about uh, regarding it. But you say that, they had three or four players around the ref trying to get Frank sent off in the first 10 seconds. So where's the sportsmanship there? Exactly. And, and I, I, I always felt been in the way in that day that there was an element of still being aggrieved about losing Frank Fielding in the first minute or first 90 seconds whatever it was and, and the penalty so it did kind of level things up didn't it well the last thing that was said before we went out no silly things early on there's probably different words used but don't do nothing daft early on stay in the game after a minute Frank sent off we're 1-0 down <laughs> and we're, we I was like oh no like, you know, when you think it's going to be one of them days, we're just, it's just not going to work for us. Yeah. And then, luckily enough, it just probably played into our hands going down to 10 men. Really? So, because you're not expected to win. If you get a draw, it's a hell of a result. But for us to actually go on and win the way we did, and we had good chances to probably make it with Jeff had the header. Yeah, I was just about to say when he, yeah... I thought the get. I thought that was it when I was in our way end. I think the, he kind of saw the post, didn't he? He was at the far post and just headed it wide. But I think he was scared of clashing his nose on the post, weren't he? So, <laughs> well, it was it the edge of the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got some out of the lad. <laughs> but no, he, I, when it's coming to him, I'm thinking that's it. Here we are. I'm just about to dive on him. That's it. We're, we're celebrating, and he missed it. And I think it was me and Theo Robinson that just run and grabbed him and picked him up and said, get up now. And he got back in and, and obviously in the end, he, he scored the winning goal, which was, was great to see because I don't think he'd have lived it down. He's still a young lad. I think we forget how young he was. He's only 18, 19, I think, at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the same with him and Will. I think people, they'd, they'd been in the first team two or three years and people actually forgot how young they were. There were still babies in football. Mm. They were still learning. Well, you, you still learn every day, don't get me wrong, but they were still learning the, the big factors of football, of the physical side and little tricks and things like that. So it's 
they probably got a lot of stick that they didn't deserve at times. But like I say, people forget how young they are because they've played 50, 60, 70 games. A similar situation with Jaden Bogle at the minute. He's 19, but he's played two and a half seasons, and people yeah. are like, oh, well, you get the odd person having a pop at him because he's not doing certain things or not kicking on. But you still have to remind people that well, a lot of Derby sides have got five 19 year olds and 18 year old, and Jaden Bogle is still a young lad. I mean, he wouldn't be just be getting in him at most clubs. No, oh, definitely. Well, he probably probably wouldn't be if it was Premier League football. He probably yeah. it'd be on the fringe. Maybe if he'd be training with him and. Mm. Uh, just drip fed in and out so I think he's obviously a talent you can see he's a talent I think but there was just one there was one game I watched not long ago but and his recovery runs were shocking and I was screaming at the telly I'm like just run back <laughs> you've got Rooney you've got Rooney sprinting past him and things like that but he's he's obviously got a, a bright future as long as he gets his recovery runs right <laughs> do you think Rooney's having a word of him as he's running past him Probably, but I probably can't say the words you're saying to him. Yeah. So. Well, lines of, I'm, I'm 34. Um, yeah. <laughs> run back, your, run back your little sod. Yeah. Uh. He is. I think Derby have got some some really good talent that have come through the last few years. Obviously, Bogle being one. I think Max Lowe's done better than what people have expected over the last couple of years. Uh, you've got obviously Birdie. You've got Sibley. Uh, I think if you can keep if you can keep Bird and Sibley, which is obviously going to be tough because of maybe balancing the books and stuff like that, then I think they've got half a chance. And if they just need to replace Chris Martin, which is easier said than done. For me, he's up there as my favourite ever Derby player. Whoa, steady. Oh, second uh, after, you, after you, mate. Sorry. I said up there, didn't I? I didn't say number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a serious note, how underrated is Chris Martin by a lot of people? So I don't see why he's underrated, though, because you look at what... In a Derbyshire, he's been fantastic. So how, how do you replace Chris Martin? You have to go and spend X amount of millions. Then you have to pay that in wages. Why not just give Chris 30 grand a week? For two years, it's three million. You you won't get you won't pay less transfer fee. Yeah, then you've got to put wages on on top. That's exactly the point I made to someone. <laughs> I was having an argument with someone, and I said, "Yeah, fair enough. It's wages, or it's an extra year. Of it. I don't know what the ins and outs of it are. You wanted it, but whatever. But you go out and replace Chris Martin, and and over over two years, it will cost you three million. Yeah, and that's that's obviously you've got to put a transfer fee on top of that. Yeah. Then you've got to put the, the new strikers' wages. Then they're, they're not going to go and get a young lad who's only scored. Well, he's probably not played many games and taken a gamble. Hmm. They'll go out and get someone who's been there and done it, and it's it's going to cost them obviously the fee, and then it's going to cost them just as much in, in wages. But yeah. they are, obviously, they they obviously have a plan, and I think they can can do without Chris. And for me, Chris is a massive part of the team and it'll be an asset to most teams. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I look back and his record speaks for itself as well, um, goal scoring wise and, and link up play. I mean, that, that season when he was linking up with Bryce and, and yourself and, and Will and it was just in, incredible. Some of the link up play and 
a lot of what he does off the ball does go unnoticed, I think. And, um, yeah, I've, you know if you're getting the ball into him, yeah, he's either he, he's going to find you again or he's going to find someone else. So, or he gets a goal. Chris, Chris was good at that. He could just literally hold someone off and he'd just slip Bryce in or he'd, he'd see the runner and he'd flick it with the outside of his foot. And he was, that year, the playoff final year, him and Bryson were incredible, the amount of goals that they got. And it's between them, they, they obviously carried the team quite a bit, but through scoring their goals and stuff. But that team that we had, they're just in the changing room, the group togetherness, there was no big egos. There was no one that was worried about the South. It was about everyone and we would all be willing to get hurt for each other. Was it a big team spirit? Because there was um, some characters in that side, weren't there? Was there, a, was there a good team spirit? Oh, the team spirit was unbelievable. Yeah. He, so, under, under Nigel, Nigel would take us away on training camps and, and things like that. So, uh, Nigel was brilliant at getting the team together and but he also did it, done his research on their background and uh, what type of character there was and if they would cause any problems and stuff like that. So he always knew he was going to get the right character in that suited the team. So, And he, he used to take us away on training camps. We was lucky uh, to go pretty much... America we went to three times... Uh, we got trips to Tenerife, Marbella, places like that, and and it, it was great. It was it got everyone together. You you worked hard and played hard. Leaving Derby, going up the road to uh, to Forest. Did you get any stick for that? Uh, you know what? I probably got more stick from the Forest fans to start with. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I totally understand it. You sometimes you can't get get your head round uh, things at the end of the day and some people couldn't forgive for what had happened in the past and what was said in the past and it's each to their own isn't it I think uh, I won quite a few of them over which I had no doubt I would and that, that was part of my challenge and and one of the reasonings for going there to see if I could win them over as well so it was tougher than I expected but I think in the end, I, I got most of them on my side. And don't get me wrong, you're always going to get some people that will never forgive me. But life is life. We, we, I think we touched on it briefly earlier but about leaving and, and um, being released. So it, it wasn't your decision to leave Derby, was it Was it out of your hands? It was totally out of my hands, yeah. So uh, the, in that season that got released, I signed an extension to my contract an extension to my contract that was for the rest of that season and the club had a year's option in their favour. So it was a case of, of they was giving me a pay rise for, for nine months, basically. And then if they wanted to take the extra year, then it was a case of fine, not, no problem. But in the end, they didn't activate the clause and... Uh, that was that. They just said I could leave, and I, I had a, a good choice of clubs, mm. but I've just been location-wise. I think Forest was perfect. I thought they'd had a, a bad few years, and I thought at some point they've got to come good. 
So I think I think it's like a lot of clubs in in the Championship, they go through a bit of a lull and then uh, they they come good. And I thought in that four years, surely we've got to get near the playoffs or get in the playoffs. And to be honest with you, the squad that they had there was was a good squad. I just the togetherness wasn't there, and that was the major difference between Derby and Forest. On paper, you you put down Forest squad was better, but the fact that Oslo Derby was willing to go and get hurt for each other and actually run around to win games and get in people's faces, do the horrible stuff, then I think that was the major, major difference. Because you look at, obviously, they, they had players, Forest, that have played in Champions League and stuff like that. And for some reason, it just didn't click. But again, yeah, I just think it was attitude. Do you think, the, like obviously at Derby, you've been six or seven years of Nigel Clough and then two years of Steve McLaren down the road at Forest, it literally was like a manager of season. Do you think that's a factor in it, that they've not had like a mindset in it and that implemented that this is who we are, this is how we play, this is what we're doing? It was just yeah. like different people in and out. Oh, 100%. In football, stability is massive and... To be honest with you, the best coach I had when I was there was Mark Warburton. And I think if you'd have got him, if you'd have given him a couple of years, just said, listen, we want slow progression. Like what happened under Nigel. Yeah. It was always a slow progression. And then obviously the one year, we it just went boom. And I think if you'd have given Mark Warburton a couple of years, three or four transfer windows, I think he'd have got his team that he wanted and I don't think they would have been far off it. No, I, and I always think there's similarities, as much as it kills me to say it, but there's, I think there's similarities between Derby and Forest alike. Yeah. Do you feel that? The, like the, the club size, the fan base, the, the, they're very similar. Like Sleeping Giants is a bit of a cliche, but they've got so much potential, haven't they? Yeah, well, obviously, they've, they've got quite a rich history behind them and, and stuff yeah. like that. And I think, but I, I just think it's focused on far too much, whereas... I've always said it, enjoy the moment when it comes to it, celebrate it, because it is unbelievable what they've done back then. But we're in a different era now. We can't keep relying on that being our history. It is our history, but we can't keep talking about that because we're trying to move move on from that and move forward. Yeah. So there, there's massive similarities, 100%. And I don't think playing for both clubs you realise how big they both are, especially in this league. And if they went up, both of them, if they both went up, then I think that would go again. It'd like to just be another boom. And it's just it's just getting it right now. Both sides just getting it right. Obviously, you see Forrest that come so close on the last day. But it's progression. People forget that. People will turn around and say, oh, it's bottle jobs and all that. Yeah, I, I totally get it. It should never have happened. They should never have slipped out of the playoffs. Just like we shouldn't have at Derby after the playoff season. So there's potential there for both clubs to just reach new heights if they can get through this division. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and just summing up your time at Forest, uh, how bad is Benny Osborne's banter? Oh, Benny Osborne. Nah, you know what, right? He's just so... He's, he's, he's comical. He's like... He's, he's like me, just... Runzard is obviously, but he's played at the top level, so he's he's a great guy. 
he's, he's one that you need in a changing room and stuff like that. And his, his work rate, just putting it towards everything, gym work, uh, like ice baths, cryotherapy and all, all, all that side of it, all his recovery side, he's really switched on with it all. So you may not think of it as your mate, but he's, his attitude to, to work is incredible. Yeah, I can tell that. And, and it frustrates me uh, looking in at it because I never th think he got the credit he deserved at Forest. He always used to get a bit of stick off Forest fans and I could never understand that. Do you know what it is? I think, obviously, a young lad comes through the system. I don't think it's just a young lad coming through the system. I think, in general, you see a player at a club for X amount of years, they're probably still performing exactly the same. But because you're used to seeing that six, seven, eight out of ten every week, it yeah. obviously fluctuating between that you get bored of it because it's just it becomes so natural you expect them to be 10 out of 10 and I, I think that's just football in general where fans get bored of seeing the same performance over and over and over and I'm pretty sure they'd have loved to have had him on the last day of the season yeah yeah and, I, and he's gone up and made the step up and last few games of the season he's proven that he's got a bit about him to, to go and play at that level so yeah I, I don't think he'll struggle I think he's at the right club. He's got the right manager in Chris Wilder as well. So he he will really suit the way that, that Benny works and plays. So it's obviously a great opportunity for him. And it's good to see he's, he's not looking back. And he's, he's obviously took it all in his stride. I, I think he would have found it hard not being involved in games and stuff like that. Because he's never been used to that side of it. So, and I think, I listened to your podcast with Will. And uh, Will said he didn't know how to react because yeah. he'd always been in the team or squad and he didn't know how to react to not being on the bench and things like that. It's a totally different world. It's a different yeah. level of football. And it's it's probably helped them because they've they've had time to just creep in, go under the radar, train, get up to levels and then obviously Will Will's not looking back out. I, I think he should have had an England cap personally, but because he's he's done really well at times, you look at people that have obviously He's been overlooked mm. and other people have got in, in front of him. I'm not too sure about some of them. No, I totally agree. And I think it comes, what you're saying about, um, we, 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 spoke, we started by speaking about it, about character and, and coming through. And I think that's a massive thing. You've got, a, it's character building. You, it's think or swim, really, isn't it? If, if, you, yeah. if you get your prem move and you go in as Billy, like, do you know what I mean? And you're the, the big I am and you think, I should be knocking on the gaffer's door, then you, you're going to be back in the championship. Oh, 100%. Because the the manager might say whatever you want want to hear, and then you'll walk out of his room and he'll probably go, "Little shit, yeah." Who does he think he is? Yeah. So, uh, but no, I think Will again. Will's very switched on, and yeah. uh, he his obviously his abilities unbelievable. He he could do most things that that you wanted it, that you'd ask him to do. So, and uh, it was just great to be a part of it. So, yeah, and to be fair, I, re I remember playing games with Will and I used to, I'd, I'd just nail him for the sake of nailing him. <laughs> and to myself, I'm chuckling inside, but just, you know, like to keep him on his toes. Yeah. Because that's how, how I felt that Will would go forward as well. He can't get away with being a little bit sloppy. No. So just get on, on him. And he'd say something back to you and then you'd say something back and... It it was great. It, it was great to see the way he took it all in his stride, and the same with Jeff Hendrick as well. To see them both go on and have careers that that they've had up to now, 
has, has been brilliant. You talk quickly about the the um, the challenges that like Ben and Will have faced going in the Prem. You've got a, a different challenge at the opposite end of your career now. Obviously, looking for a club, how do you approach that now? Do you, do you just have to keep fit and just keep having your name out there, or yeah, uh, or getting one of your mates to help you out, Bucko? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, mate. Make the call. If get him on the uh, podcast, then I'll, I'll I'll be the middleman. <laughs> we'll negotiate uh, on Paul Darby to me. Oh, brilliant! Uh, yeah, it's just a, like I say, keeping fit. That's why I'm training with uh, Michelobus Sports as well, just to get some ball working and stuff. So uh, I'm seeing sprint coaches and fitness coaches and things like that. And yeah, we'll we'll see. Some hopefully something pops up and sooner rather than later because I'm I'm sick of sitting at home now I think uh, we had long enough during that pandemic to, to sit at home and do nothing so the first couple of weeks of that was brilliant but it's just gone on for far too long and I need to get out of the house more for my wife's sake she's sick of having me yeah could we see you in a McLeaver shirt if there's no if you don't if I get a club in the next few weeks I'd like to think not I think I've still got uh, a couple I don't of years. Mean a deal, just a uh, just a run out. Maybe in a friendly. Yeah. So uh, not I would uh, I wouldn't like to say competitively. I've still got plenty to offer. I think at yeah. higher levels. So like I say, it's just it's just getting that chance. Or or if, if for instance, if a coaching job came along, yeah. Then then maybe that would be worth not playing, but because you get your foot in the door that way into the into obviously the next chapter but I still I still want to play football I, I think I've still got the bug for it so it's not a case of I think you'll know when you've had enough and it's mm. it's over it's just uh, I've not had enough yet no. that's the thing I, I always had a plan in my mind it'd be around 36, 37 and I'm still oh, I've just turned 34 so uh, there's still plenty of fight in the old dog yet Well if you get a move off the, or a phone call off the back of this then I want 10% <laughs> hey, uh, apparently Burton don't pay agent fees. They're not. Oh, no. <laughs> Probably not. No. Book I would, book I would do everything to save a couple of quid. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Oh, Jamie, mate, I really, really appreciate you joining us. It's been class, mate. I've really enjoyed talking. No problem. Thank you for inviting me on and uh, just let me know if you want anything else in the future. Lovely. Thank you very much, mate. I really, really appreciate it. No problem. <laughs>